Welcome to the Principled Podcast, brought to you by LRN. The Principled Podcast brings together the collective wisdom on ethics, business and compliance, transformative stories of leadership, and inspiring workplace culture. Listen in to discover valuable strategies from our community of business leaders and workplace changemakers. When you hear the word gamification, what comes to mind? Do you think of shooting lasers and collecting gold coins? What about influence in the way people make decisions? Too often, organizations lean on gamification for the sake of making their ethics compliance program look more tech-savvy. So how can you ensure you develop gamification in a way that enhances training? Hello and welcome to another episode of LRN's Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Kai Marriott, a learning director at LRN. And today I'm joined by Johnny McMonagall, one of our lead creative designers for LRN. We're going to be talking about gamification in learning. So Johnny's a real expert in the space with more than 20 years experience designing interactive graphic elements for e-learning and training software. So Johnny, thanks for coming on the Principled Podcast. Okay, thanks for having me. Looking forward to this discussion. So Johnny, we've obviously worked together on many gamified learning projects in the past, but just for the purposes of this conversation, how would you describe gamification? I mean, in the way that we talk about it. Yeah, I think our approach to gamification is to make our training a lot more engaging. It's going to stand out from your normal e-learning and normal training in that it's going to look and feel very different. It's going to be engaging. It's going to be enjoyable. And it'll be short to the point, but the experience will actually be a pleasurable one. And that's where the element comes in, that it's not just education. It's actually a fun thing to do. And there's sort of gamified elements on top of that, isn't there? So this fun is engaging, but also it has game mechanics as well, like, I suppose, scoring. Yeah, we do that. We, as Apart from the visuals, you will look at a screen and you will see things like that you'll see on an arcade game. You'll see a score. You'll see a play button. You might hear the music and the sound effects that you're used to from games. And you'll know the second you sit down to do it, you're not just clicking next. You're seeing the elements that go into making a game. So when I think about all the projects we've done together, which have those gaming mechanics in there and gaming elements, I kind of think that every gamified course has really two distinct elements that make it really sort of compelling and engaging. And the first is, I think, a really good story from beginning to end, you put that story element in there that kind of drives you from one part of the learning to the next, but also really good interactivity. But when we actually, let's start from the beginning in terms of what do we actually think about first usually? Do we actually start with the story or do we start with what gaming element elements can we put into this training? Yes, and I've seen that where I think we always start with the story because the story will drive everything. Um, How do we get from A to B on your learning journey? What is it we're trying to do? So we start with a story and we'll tell the story and everything will evolve from there. For example, a recent course I did was on global trade. And we said, well, what is the story here? The global trade, it tells itself. You're going to go around the world. You're trading with different countries. So we said, how are we going to make that work? And I said to the learning manager, I said, well, how about this? I found an image. It was a little plane going around the globe. I said, we, that's you. That's your, you're the character. And we're going to go from A to B and we're going to learn things as you go. Every destination is going to have a consequence. And at the end of it, you have learned something. 
and it lent to itself that it looked like a game board, it felt like a game, and every step of the way it felt you were learning, but it was very game-like. And that was the story that led all of those decisions that we put into it, and it worked very well. And I think if you were to try and do it the other way around, you kind of start, oh, we know we've got 10 gaming elements to choose from, and now let's try and build a story from that. That just never works, does it? No, it's kind of working backwards where you're shoehorning in just for the sake of it. And I've seen it never gels. There's too many different elements. Just They don't work. We've seen a thing putting sound effects into like a quiz. It doesn't make it a game. It's just window dressing. I think it has to be more uh, cohesive and has to have a strong narrative and all the different elements from the visuals, the style of writing, the sound effects, it all has to tie in. And with the idea of gamification in your mind, you have to think, does this play? Does it feel like a game? I think that's the way, that's what we're striving to do. Yeah, and I think it's funny you said earlier about you can't just put sound effects on a quiz and call it a game. I think that's absolutely right. I think you start with that really strong story, but then I think we do layer it with sound effects. And I think we shouldn't forget that either. Yeah, I think sound effects are very important and they can really enhance the whole experience. It's just one of the many elements and it's a very rich element to have and it can add so much to the experience. We were saying before about sound effects in games. We hark back to the, the beginning of games, like of the arcade games again, and we all respond to those. Like We know what a, a good sound sounds like and we know what uh, losing a life sounds like just from our our shared memories like of arcade games and home video systems. These are common things that we all understand, we all can respond to, and it really does enhance it. But having it on its own, you know, you need to think of the other elements too, and they all have to come together to make that cohesive game-like experience that feels, feels like a game. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm thinking about the sound effects. I, I think we slightly age ourselves, don't we, when we talk about arcade This games. is true. <laughs> yes, like the coin slot and the, the arcade. But in, in saying that, though, um, I think we still do. To this day, we still hark back to the early Nintendos and we know what a, that sounds like. And it's even for people who've never played a game, like of any age, we go, yep, yeah, that's I am now playing a video game. It's, it is kind of a universal and a nearly a timeless thing that uh, we can all relate to it in the same way. Yeah, there's something almost instinctive about, you said earlier about the noise that means you've won and the noise that means you've lost a life. Yeah, I think it's some sort of like shared global experience that we all know, no matter where we're from, we know what that sounds like. We know what it sounds like, even if it's a mobile game or a contemporary platformer or whatever, we know that means you've just won something. That means you've lost something. It's kind of a, a, just a universal language. Yeah, and I think as well, we're kind of lucky in the age we live in, which is that mobile games are so popular because I think they also do the same thing. They're very arcade game-like, very bright and colorful, and also very kind of lots of sound, lots of music to convey a particular emotion. What do you think about the use of music in games and how important is that? Yeah, the use of music can really enhance it and it's a very important thing to consider and it can, it sets the tone for the whole experience. And again, there is the universal thing of we know 
exciting music to suit the tone if it's that kind of uh, if that's what you're aiming for we know like cinematic we know that if we want this to be dark and somber that's what we do like just as you would if you were scoring a piece of uh, for a drama you speak the same sort of language it's funny you mentioned mobile gaming and the target audience for mobile gaming wouldn't be what you would normally think of gamers and like today's gamers i think most people think of People sitting with five monitors, they have the best chairs, they have all the gear. That's what gaming is. But there's also the mobile thing. So it's every walk of life will have this experience. They will, uh, you wouldn't think of them as your typical gamer, but it's, they will engage with this kind of game. And they do, they wouldn't call themselves a gamer, but they do play these games. And I think that's what we aim for is to say, well, what is it that engages the non-gamer to play a game? It's something that is uh, appealing to people who don't play games. It's something that will engage them. It's something that they want to come back to and they'll, get, they'll respond to it positively. So you mentioned gamers with their five monitors, and I think you're right. I mean, there's a real important distinction, I think, to be drawn here between what we do when we talk about gamified learning and the people who are obsessively gamers, or even just casual gamers, but more of the, the console-type gamers I think ours seems to be more like the mobile games. I think so. It has to be much more direct. It has to be for somebody who has never played a game, who's aware what a game is, they look at it, they can tell immediately how to play the game. They go, there's the start button. Once they start playing, they don't want rule books. They don't want all that. They want to get in and start playing. And it should be so from the get-go, it should be intuitive and if it isn't intuitive, if it takes too much explaining, then it's not working. It has to be an immediate thing for people who are time poor, for people who, as I say, aren't gamers. They want to look at it and go, I like the look of this. I want to press that play button. And after I press that play button, I want to keep clicking things. I know what I'm doing all the way to the end of the game. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that, making it intuitive, because again, probably showing my age, I remember the old days of, you take home a game and it comes with a sort of novel-like <laughs> instruction manual with a picture of the... I mean, they still does this now, right? There's a picture of a controller and there's like a thousand things around it telling you what each button does. But we, I mean, we can't really do that in gamified learning, can we? No, nor do we want to. It's like we don't have the time. We're too busy in our lives. We have too many things going on. We have this training set aside. We want to get there immediately. I say, like, if it's too complicated, you're just going to disengage with it. If you don't automatically, immediately know what you're going to do, then I think we're failing. That's where we come into, the, like, the mobile version. It's stripped down to the bare elements of what is a game. And it is, does it look good? Does it look like something I want to play? Will I understand it? Am I daunted by it? Then it's not working. Does it look like something I can dive into? Then it is working. Yeah, I, I was thinking of Tetris, actually, and how much we all never had to learn Tetris. That's it. You knew from the second you saw it on screen, you knew what to do. And it, yeah, no rule books, no help button, no nothing. You go, ah, I know what to do. And within seconds, you learn, oh, I didn't get that right. You hear the sound. We can all hear it in our memories, that sound. And you get their little endorphins when you get it right. And there's the little positive thing. And you get that within moments of picking it up for the first time. And that's the beauty of a game like Tetris. And so you, I don't think has anyone ever read how to play Tetris. I'd say they're few and far between. So that's what we're aiming for is that immediacy. 
also, I think the simplicity of the gamification options. So if you think about what that means, well, we named a few already. So for instance, you could be that you lose a life, you have three lives and you lose three and then you're kind of kicked out of the game. You could have what we call internally power bars, which is like health bars that go up and down as you go, whether you answer a question right or wrong. I mean, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of different options. We also have branching, which is another kind of popular gaming thing that we do, where if you get a question right, then the story changes and it's different than if you get the question wrong and you you go down a different path. So, so many options, but we shouldn't use them all, should we? No, because then I think we're overcomplicating it. Uh, Use it if there's a reason for it. If it helps the narrative of that story we talked about, then absolutely. And I like the branching one. And it again harks back to the old adventure games, even in the books. Here's your choice. And whatever one you make, you go off in a different direction and you're controlling that. You'll always come to the whatever conclusion. We make sure they come to the conclusion they have to. But having that choice is a great thing. But as you say, we don't have to throw all the whistles and bells there all the time. But whatever helps the narrative is what we're aiming for. So it's back to story again, isn't it? You choose I think the it is. Space. Yeah. It's, it's always about the story. Yeah. Because I think back to the course we did together, and obviously we were not going to name any particular client names, but we did one for the cybersecurity course we did, which was seen as being a game. Everyone calls it a game. But it only really, I think, had one gamified option in there, maybe two. And I'm thinking of the one we did. It was a cybersecurity where it was all based around a 3D printing donut machine. That's right. And you had four donuts, I think. And then as you, if you answer a question wrong, then you lose a donut. And that was number one. And then number two was, I think there was a very small amount of branching in there. But even then, it was just to show you a little different animation, depending on whether you got it right or wrong. And that was it. It was very um, multimedia rich. It was music. It was bright, engaging graphics. It was animation. It was sound effects. It had that, and they were all matching. You know, the music suited the primary colors. The even the the sound effects of the good and bad results. That all it all fed together. All came together very well, and it all sounded like it all belonged as part of the same product. And that was a very successful one. It was, and again, the story was, you're starting at the start. I think you were getting parts or ingredients and um, everywhere along the way, there was somebody trying to foil you and your job was to make sure you foiled that hacker. It was about cybersecurity. So we met this character who was trying to stop you on your way and it had a little sound effect, you know, a little evil cackle and stuff like that. And it was very, it was a very engaging little game. It was very short, but it got the point across. It was all about cybersecurity and all that entails. And didn't that turn, it was very well received. Yeah, I think it had one of the biggest take-ups of any training, not not just gamified training, but any training for that particular organization. That's right. And a lot of that was just the fun of it and was immediately easy to play. You got immediately from the start, you go, I like these graphics. I like that music. There's the play button. And I think we had a short intro animation to tell you this is what's going to happen. Watch out for whatever we call the baddie, and now go learn this here. He'll try to trip you up on the way, but go and answer these questions. And like behind all that, it is just a quiz. It is just an e-learning quiz. But with all these things around it, it's so much more engaging. And it just showed there with the take-up of it. People were coming back to do it again and talking about it. 
uh, comparing high scores would be the old way of doing it, but it was it worked just very well. And I remember, even though it was our training, every time I went back to test the course during the production process, I found myself getting drawn into it every time. I just kept playing it. I think I've done that too in um, the current one I'm working on. We've come up with a new way of you win a different little uh, game piece for every successful thing. And as we're developing it, I found myself playing the game because there's the little reward of the endorphins, the little positive sound as something glows or sparkles every time you get it right. And then they're going, yeah, bear with me. I'm just playing this game. <laughs> you know, it just, it, and that shows that it's doing its job. We touched upon earlier about, I think, particularly the cybersecurity one being a short game. Because if you think again of gamers back to the five monitor guy, the games they play last for, I say not in one go, but sometimes it is. 10, 20, 30 hours of gaming just in one game. We obviously can't get away with that, can we? No. And I, I think no matter how good it is and how engaging it is, I think brevity is the key. I think less is more because the novelty will wear off. I think there's no set limit about how long it should be. But I think if you have too much of a good thing to your kind of enthusiasm wanes. And I think for, as a contemporary workers, we don't have that hour. So if we can do it in half an hour, 45 minutes, that's, and it's, they've enjoyed that very much. That's better than dragging it out and turning it into a chore. I think the key time is actually 20 minutes, but whether we actually achieve that, I don't know. That's the kind of the dream, the 20 minute game. Yeah, I think 20 minutes is a perfect round number. I think any longer than that, then you are pushing it. I know it depends on the content, it depends on the partner, but ideally we'd be trying to say, no, trust us on this. Keep it around the 20 minutes and everyone will enjoy that bit a whole lot more. And it's back to this people being time poor, isn't it? Because games are uh, you know, seen as a bit of a frivolity. And if we say, we're saying to people, right, you're going to spend three hours on this game, well, I think you're right that they would get bored, but also they just won't have the time. Yeah, and that's very much. And touching on that, the gaming and frivolity is like a, we have to sell this idea that gaming isn't a waste of time. It isn't a distraction. And maybe it goes back to like teaching children that learn through play. And I think we never grow out of that. We do enjoy playing. We enjoy games, but it's not frivolous. There's actually, we are learning through this. And for employees, for staff and all that, it isn't a waste of time at all. It's like you must do this training and you're going to enjoy it. And that's a nice thing for everybody. If you're going to enjoy the training, then everybody wins. Yeah, absolutely. I think it seems to be not just in gamified learning, but just in every kind of training, that idea of people really not having much time trying to cut things down to the chase because this is not a university. They're not on three-year courses they have 20 minutes to do a job and they need to learn how to do it quickly. Yes, absolutely. I think we can all find in our daily working lives, we can put aside 20 minutes and we can justify that 20 minutes and we will learn something. I think it's looking at the modern workplace as well. We have to take into consideration that we just don't have the time. So I think we can all agree we can make time for 20 minutes and that would be our optimum amount of time. And if we're not achieving that in 20 minutes then maybe we're not doing it right i think that's right what i often do is when we look at the information that needs to be covered as part of this game i try and sort of throw away everything that isn't related to the task in hand i think that's 
true of e-learning in general. I think it's especially true of games that really should reflect the role that you're doing. So everything in that game should be practical knowledge that you can go away and do something with rather than something that, you know, it's kind of just knowledge and awareness. Yeah, that's right. I think it's um, be always focus on what it is, is the goal of this game. What is the end point of the story we're telling? And don't try to be all things to all men. Don't try and overload it and just keep it to thing. If there's other ways of training, if they need more information, they can always go to different resources. But for our games, we have to just focus on it. Keep it very direct to the point. Here's what you're taking away from this game, from this training. There are other ways of delivering information, but with a game, let's fo- we keep focused on what we need to tell, what we need to impart. Yeah, so I think you did touch upon earlier about, you know, the kind of visual side of the game. So we talked about the music, the sound effects, and what about the visuals, the way it looks? How important is that to the game? Well, I think that's extremely important, obviously, as a graphic designer. One thing it is, again, is the universal language of game. It is what does game mean to you? What does it mean to me, to the seasoned gamer, to someone who never plays a game? I say if you see you're walking through the office, you look over your colleague's shoulder and there's something on that screen that looks engaging and fun and doesn't look like you're stock e-learning. It doesn't look like here are two people in business suits shaking hands and a bit of text. Next screen, here's two different people in business suits doing something. And that's the kind of thing. It has to look better than that. It has to look, I say fun, Without sounding frivolous, it has to be a lot more engaging. There has to be something that separates it from your usual e-learning. And I think that could be elements on screen where you've done something with the graphics. There's something different about it. And it can be anything, but there has to, it has to stand apart. But there'll be the other elements on the screen too, like scoring or like a meter or something like that. There you're going, immediately going, what is that? So you know from a glance, that's a game. Yeah, I think having its own unique identity i always think of games like candy crush which you know it's not a game i particularly play i don't think it's really marketed at, <laughs> at people like me but it's got such an identity and the color scheme and the noises and the i mean going back to sound effects again it all says this is a game that's almost like even the sound effects and the colors are going to get you as high as the sugar <laughs> from yeah. the candy it's those endorphins again. It's that thing of going, yeah, I'm going to have fun playing this. It's going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to enjoy doing it. And that's yeah, That's without even, if you saw that, a picture of it. You know, it doesn't even have to be like a live version, just a picture of it. You know, that's a fun looking game. I'm going to enjoy spending time with this. And I think that's, yeah, we try to do that with our games. We try immediately to go, yeah, here's something. Is this training? Because this looks like something fun. Yeah, and again, I think the visuals go back to the story again. I say, what is the story? The story is X or Y, and then from there, you can kind of come up with the brand identity because I was thinking about back to our cybersecurity game with the 3D printing donut, which is it's a mad idea. And I think I seem to remember back in the early days, the brand was that was suggested that was floated around was actually quite almost movie-like and a little bit subdued and probably wouldn't quite have fitted the idea. Do you remember it? Yeah, I remember the brand in particular, they were very, like many partners are, they're very aware of their own brand and they want to see their own brand back at them. With that, we kind of threw that, the rule book out. We says, well, for this game, you're going to get your logo. And that's about it. You know, we really uh, we kind of rewrote it and they agreed that this was the way to go. Is that what you're referencing? 
That's right. And I think it was what we decided because I think we both said that the original brand was quite subdued given that the idea was so mad. So we kind of went for a much more pastel almost, and, and I think it was basically Simpsons-inspired brand. It was. Because of the donuts, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. I think everyone now, you see a donut with pink frosting on, you think Homer Simpson. I think we all do. But we that was a point, as we said, well, here's your color palette, blah, 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 here and so on. But look at these visuals. And I think they came around very quickly and they said, no, this looks really nice. We get it. We're responding well to it. So, you know, we don't need to stick with that. And they went for that mad idea, as you say, their brand palette didn't suit. So it didn't take much convincing. It was a strong idea that worked. Yeah, and it really did. And it's a project I'm very proud of as well. So I was thinking again of the going back to the gaming options. We touched upon those before. We talked about lives. We talked about scoring. But of course, when you're kind of coming up with this brand identity in this game, you don't really use terms like lives and percentages and scoring. You, again, presumably want to tie that back to the story. Yeah, that's right. Because, yeah, the use of lives and all is very, it is going back to arcade games, but that was like literally you had your three little characters and you lose a life. And then that doesn't really it depends on your story. That doesn't make sense for the stuff we have done. You're going, well, you're not actually losing a life. When we think, what are you gaining? What are you losing? And in that way, then I say in global trade, we had a thing we said, well, if you go to a certain jurisdiction and you get this question right, then your project goes ahead and you're, you know, you've done well. If you get the question wrong in this particular jurisdiction, there's going to be consequences and be that your project is delayed or you've actually broken some global trade thing, you're going to face legal sanctions. And we tie that into the, the real life, that training, they need to know this. But we've made it a game and we go, there's a big legal sign coming up going, you're in trouble. Or we go, you've got this right. Here's a little trophy with you know, sound effect and it'll glow. It all ties it back to what you were saying. Yeah, and like the lives turned into donuts and... Another one we did quite recently was on Agile, uh, the Agile process. And it was, so the original gaming option, if you like, was a meter that goes down. If it goes down to zero, then you get kicked out of the game. Now, we didn't want to just call it a meter. So we actually made a race between two companies who were developing a very similar product. And so if you answer the questions correctly, then the meter goes towards you. And then if you answer incorrectly, the meter goes towards the other company, the rival company. Yeah, that was a clever use of very standard functionality of like your progress bar basically telling you, yeah, you've answered these right. And every time you do, it goes up in increments up to the right or up to the, you know, vertically. And that's standard. But we saw, well, how does it tie into our story? And then we had one for an alcoholic spirit company and we go with the same idea. On the left, you have a glass with nothing in it. On the right, you have a glass that gets full every time you get something right. And that was tying it, you know, it's the same principle of the progress meter, but dressed up for gaming and for gamification. And that was a, that's a simple little thing you can do to tie in the game and make it relevant, make it suit the context. And people will react to it a lot better than your boring zero to 100 that they're so used to seeing. And it just doesn't feel like a game. It just feels like standard learning. It's that simplicity again. Yeah. It's something that you can respond to immediately. You don't overthink it. You could see at a glance, I know what's happening here. 
and you want to get up to the right and you want to get up to the top of the screen, you know every time you're getting something right, it's going up in increments and you're enjoying getting it there and it's your mission to get it there. And by the time if you get it wrong, if it says retry, you're going, of course I'll retry. I've enjoyed that. You know, I really want to get that glass full or win that contract or whatever is that donut machine. It's an easy win, but give it some thought, tie it into the the design of the whole thing. And again, back to your story, how does this help sell the story? Yeah, absolutely. Because we're not dealing with, you know, going back to the game, the five monitor guy. <laughs> I like the five monitor guy that you came up with. Going back to him, I mean, those, those sorts of games, you know, I mean, thousands and thousands of hours, millions of dollars spent on those sorts of games. It does not need to be complicated to be a game. And we've, I think we've proven that time and time again. Yeah, I think it is. It's just use the fundamentals of what a game is that we can all respond to, we can all relate to. We know immediately what it is. We recognize it when we see it. We know what it is when we are playing it. We respond to it. We know what we're doing and we enjoy it and we want to play it. We enjoy doing it so much that we'll play it again. Uh, We'll come back to it. If we don't do well at it, we play it until we win it. And I was thinking of if we were to create a game that absolutely breaks all the rules. So we were talking about things like we have a great story. We have really interactivity that kind of tells the story. We have it's nice and short. It has a really nice visual identity and it uses sound effects and music. And I want to say in an appropriate way, because we've talked a lot about the fun side of it, but actually it doesn't need to be fun. It can also be dramatic as well. But what would like the worst gamified course you can think of look like, do you think? <laughs> well, yeah, getting all those things wrong or even that they don't match, that the visuals don't match the sound effects, that the sound effects sound like they're from a completely different product, that the music, as I say, is completely the wrong tone, things like going, well, why I press something, I get something odd happens. Why did that happen? What do I do next? If you get lost anywhere in the middle of it, if you have any doubt what you're doing, if you have to be reaching for the help button, you're not doing it well. We haven't done our job well. If someone has to go, well, how do I play this again? Or I can't remember what I'm doing. What's the point of this? Then we haven't done our job. That's where the simplicity comes into. And all the elements have to work together or else it's jarring and it feels off. And like all those things would make it, to me, just a bad game experience. It'd be bad training, but as a game, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, it seems that games are particularly unsympathetic when you get like one element wrong. It's almost like not a too grand a point in it, but it's almost like poetry where every word is like absolutely key versus a novel where it doesn't matter if there's a few dodgy sentences in this. It's absolutely, you know, you, you're fine. But with games, like everything has just to be perfectly in place. Yeah, no, absolutely. It all has to work together cohesively. And the wheat from the chaff is to say it just should work. And all these, like the, we talked about all the different building blocks say to, that go into it, they all have to just keep it simple. Does this element work with that element and all put together? Is it doing what we what plan to do? Like, will somebody just comes in, sits down beside you, will they be able to play this and will they enjoy it? Will they respond to it the way we want them to? And we get all those things right anyone should be able to do that. Fabulous. I think we've basically covered everything that we need to cover today. And I think we're running out of time anyway. So 
Johnny, it's been great having you on the Principal Podcast. I hope you'll come back and speak with us again soon. Thanks, Kai. Thank you all, and thank you all for listening. My name is Kai Marriott. We'll see you on another episode of the Principal Podcast by LRN. We hope you enjoyed this episode. The Principal Podcast is brought to you by LRN. At LRN, our mission is to inspire principled performance in global organizations by helping them foster winning ethical cultures rooted in sustainable values. Please visit us at LRN.com to learn more. And if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review.